0: It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit Ellerslie.com. Benito Mussolini was a bad guy. So on July 25th, 1943, when he was ousted from power and imprisoned on the island of Ponza, the people of Italy rejoiced. So what a terrible shock it must have been when he escaped and came back into power. Hey, this is Eric. Before we dive into this message and tackle one of the most strange and bewildering aspects of the practical Christian life, which I could summarize simply in the question, how can I still do bad things even though Christ has saved me, set me free, and filled me with his Holy Spirit? I wanted to mention the Pastor Leaders Summit taking place on the Ellerslie campus September 1st through 3rd. If you are a Christian leader standing on the front lines, taking the arrows right now, please pray about joining us. If you can make it out here to Windsor, the cost for the event, the food, and the lodging are on us. So if God is nudging, go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to learn more. Now let's visit Italy in late 1943 and discover the fact that Mussolini's puppet government, with all its threats barking and bluster, is not something to fear. I am very excited to be back in the saddle here at Ellerslie. We've been sort of buying time uh, in the Daily Thunders where I'm supposed to be with uh, my alumni summit messages. So for those that came and visited, uh, you guys got videos of my alumni summit. I, I feel bad about that. But those were good messages nonetheless. So... Uh, Some of you had to hear him twice because you were at the Alumni Summit, and then you happened to go to a Daily Thunder where Eric was once again barking uh, through the Alumni Summit. But I am very happy to be back. I was in Michigan for a week with my uh, family, but with my parents and sister up there, just gorgeous on a lake, uh, and had a a wonderful time. And then I was with the uh, Christian Worldview Filmmakers Guild and Festival this last week in Nashville, and so I've been gone two weeks, and that's hard for me. I like—I really love it here. I'm a homebody in in a true sense. Even though I travel the world, I really don't like travel. I love being places and meeting people, but then I always love being back. And so, uh, whether or not you guys are excited to see me back uh, here in Windsor, I'm glad to be back. So you're excited, okay? Uh, but. Uh, it's been a really special couple weeks, and, but one of the hardest things was not being able to continue my World War II series, and I mean, why would that matter? But I've, I've so enjoyed this, and I'm in this process, and here I am, like at episode 60, and I need to take a two-week hiatus. It's like uh, I can't sit on my thumbs now, but uh, I just, I'm just i right at this crucial spot in the development of the war, too, where we're heading into uh, June 6th of 1944. We're not there yet. But D-Day is just around the bend. And so there's a lot of preparations for D-Day. And uh, we have, as the allies, when I say we, isn't that funny that I identify with the allies? Of course, you know, they're the good guys uh, in the story. And that, as the, the spirit, the reason I'm even walking through this isn't because of just war history, even though I'm extremely fascinated by it. It's the parallels that this creates with our life. And when you understand battle, when you understand war, even when you just understand history, you, you begin to unpack each of our individual lives. It's, there's so many overlaps. And that's why history is such a beautiful tu- tutor uh, for us, just such a profound tutor for our souls. And I have been greatly impacted. I just want you to think about this. by biography. Biography. What is it about biography? I mean, it's not like we worship that person, right? We don't bow down and say, oh, their, their life was uh, divinely inspired. It's the breath of God. It's you know what we say is no, that's an individual who had issues, who had problems, just like me. And look what happened when they had faith and they believed God. This is the results. And look what happens when they didn't believe God. It's just incredible how you can learn and exercise the truths of the kingdom for our individual lives just by watching other individual lives. And so the value of history is tremendous, and I'm a big fan. Uh, So without further ado, let's jump back into our series, uh, The Spiritual Lessons for World War II. We're on part 61. Uh, This is called The Puppet Government. I almost called it Mussolini's puppet government, but I've had Mussolini in multiple titles, so I decided to move his name out. I don't want to give him more airtime than he deserves, right? So uh, Benito Mussolini, you would have thought that he was done for. I mean, he was uh, ousted uh, back in uh, July of 1943, and right now in the flow of the war, we're in the latter months of 1943, right? So Earlier in this year, I mean, it was uh, quite a few sessions ago. We had the—I uh, don't even remember what it was called—but it had something to do with the removal uh, or the fall of Mussolini, I think, is what it was called. And uh, so the guy is gone, right? And so they they move him to an island sort of prison setup. And it's amazing how someone who finally has met their end and he has fallen hard because this guy has ruled in Italy for twenty years and he has ruled with an iron fist this is one stout character, okay? Benito Mussolini is not some guy to be trifled with, right? And so even when you begin to study Mussolini or Hitler, okay, you actually sort of tremble uh, inside because you're familiar with this sort of thing. And it's, it's like the devil himself. It's the flesh. It's this Old man character in each of our lives. And even if you're a woman, according to the scriptures, you have an old man, isn't that funny? Uh inside of you. And so that's sort of what, what this reminds you of. And remember when you came to the cross and you transferred allegiance from Benito Mussolini, oh, I mean, from the devil <laughs> unto Jesus, that that old life was ousted. That old life was crucified. That old life was dealt with. And now you serve Jesus. So one of the greatest stumbling blocks I think that many of us have is the mystery that seems inerrant and built in or baked into Christianity that if I died to the old man, how come he seems to be following me around? Why is it that he's still lingering? Okay, one of the great illustrations that I've used in Ellerslie training is I will liken this very room. This is the chapel building. And we have these big beams going across the ceiling, which is sort of like ribs, right? And so this is like a body. And so I usually liken it to my body. It's like we've just taken it, we're taking a tour into the life, the body of Eric Ludi. And so I, I sort of showcase this whole uh, transference of life from you know, being controlled by the old man, by the power of sin, unto the power of Christ and to have the Holy Spirit indwell. And so before Christ, this is like a factory, an operation that is supposed to produce good fruit. And so, but out of the the machinery, is not coming good fruit, but fruit of the flesh. It's disgusting, right? It cannot please God. And so God is going to work on Eric Ludi and he is going to begin to show me the root problem and that is that i am seated on the throne i'm seated in the in the director's chair as if this all belongs to me and that's what sin is and so when i step down one of the main things that happens is the key operator of this body which was the old man the power of the flesh inside of me is ousted and he is removed jesus comes in takes his seat and is now in control And by the power of his Holy Spirit, these machines can now begin to produce the fruit that they were originally built to produce. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we all live happily ever after. Except for we're still in a battle. And that's a confusing thing for many of us. We come to Jesus and we expect that, oh, Now I can just live at peace with fullness of joy, and there is no issue, no hazards, no difficulties from here on out, when in actuality, the difficulties amplify from that point forward. It's like, wait a minute here. I'm not supposed to have difficulty, and now you have bonus difficulty. As I've oftentimes said, everyone has difficulty, but Christians get some bonus difficulty. And so you have to understand that difficulty is our great training ground. It's our exercise equipment. It's sort of like saying, yeah, everyone gets to you know, run a mile a day, but a Christian gets to run five miles a day. And the Christian could say, what? That stinks. Or they could say, wow, I'm going to get into really good shape. And so it's always the second option that's better. Wow, I'm going to get into really good shape. We are still in the midst of a battle. And though our old man is dealt with and crucified, it's a strange phenomenon, but he starts knocking on the windows. You see, he doesn't have authority here in this body, but that doesn't mean he's gone. Kink, kink, kink. And he will knock on these windows. That's We have windows all around the chapel. And this is likening to what it's like being in this body and being under new management, being under new rulership, but having this voice that doesn't seem to stop talking. Hey, Ludi, you owe me. I gave you some of the best memories of your life. Remember that? Remember all those things I got for you? You can't just keep me out here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. God would understand just for the night, just, just one more trial run of, you know, your flesh. Come on, you can't live ungodly godly forever. You need to have a little break from that, okay? This is the old man. We could call him Benito Mussolini for this message, okay? So Benito Mussolini is removed from power. What? How could he come back into the story of World War II? That's impossible. Didn't didn't he die? Well, he didn't actually die as we would perceive him dead. Okay, and the same thing happens with our old man. The best illustration I've used for it that, that sort of resonates with my brain is the law of gravity. The law of gravity keeps you down. And so God could say, I want you to fly, Eric. And I could go out there and I, can, I just can't. Can't make it work. My physiology is not designed to fly. I have a problem. However, God is sort of like an airplane. And if I would humble myself and enter into that airplane, well, did you know what? The law of aerodynamics is able to accomplish something that I can't under the law of gravity. So I happily board the plane and I strap myself in and I trust the plane to fly for me. I just enunciated how Christianity works, right? It's us trusting God to do the flying, but I must abide in him, and when I do, I am able to fly. Yay, the law of aerodynamics rules. However, it's interesting, but the law of gravity, let me just ask you, did the law of gravity disappear? Because what Scripture seems to say is that we are dead to this law. We are dead to this power. Yeah, you are. When you're in the plane, you're dead to the law of gravity. Now, that doesn't mean the law of gravity is gone. It just means as long as you submit to the higher law, you actually will fly. But hey, you could open the door to the plane and jump out and you will find that the law of gravity is still very much in effect. And the same is true in our life. This Benito Mussolini mystery, how in the world he can come back from the dead in World War II is part of the, it's almost like the humorous dimension of the parallel with our own spiritual lives. So here's Europe, and I, unfortunately, I couldn't get a map of Europe in uh, late fall of 1943, but this is right at D-Day, which is just around the bend, okay? We're about six, seven months away where we're at in the flow of history here. And so you're going to see Italy, which is the boot down there. And sorry it's not a little higher on the screen, but it's, you see all the red uh, in the map, that's still where Germany is at in its control of Europe come D-Day of June 6, 1944. In other words, they haven't been pushed back very far. Okay, the Allies have come together. United States has entered the war. uh, Stalin is beginning to resist in Russia. But if you look at that, it still looks pretty bad uh, on the map. And right now, you see the blue on the boot the, the allies have been moving, and this is part of what was taking place in uh, 19, late 1942 and on through 1943 is the control of North Africa, the control of the Mediterranean, and now they're actually going up through Sicily and uh, Corsica and up into Italy. This is, this is huge, but they're gonna run into a stalemate right about this time. Uh, and right before uh, June 6th, which I, I haven't gotten, I'm not gonna give anything away. Why in the world would I do that? Well, that's way in the future, no, no spoilers. Okay, so technically at the time I'm talking, a little, the blue is a little lower, okay? But that that's, probably doesn't matter that much. But that just gives you an idea of about where we're at in late 1943 as well. So, July 25th, 1943, Mussolini is ousted and imprisoned. You think that would be enough, okay? I mean, who's ever gonna let this guy out? I mean, no one. I mean, the entire nation of Italy is just like, this guy has basically led to our destruction. He sided with Hitler. What is he thinking? And so the nation is turned against Mussolini. He is ousted. And however, he's going to be rather slippery. So Winston Churchill is going to comment on this. Mussolini had been interned on the island of Ponza and later at La Maddalena off the coast of Sardinia, fearing a German coup de main, which is like a a surprise attack. A coup d'etat would be like a surprise takeover of a government. A coup de main is a surprise army invasion. Badoglio had at the end of August moved his former master to a small mountain resort high in the Abruzzi in central Italy. In the haste of the flight from Rome, no precise instructions were given to the police agents and Carabinieri guarding the fallen dictator. Uh oh. On the morning of Sunday, September 12th, 90 German parachutists landed by glider near the hotel where Mussolini was confined. He was removed without casualties in a light German aircraft and carried to yet another meeting in Munich with Hitler. Oh, no! You've got to be kidding. It's actually a really cool story. I'm not going to go into that. But the res- it, if it was a positive story, it'd be really fun to study, right? But rescuing Mussolini, Hitler rescuing Mussolini, why would I want to look into that any deeper, okay? That just sounds bad. I mean, how are we going to have a spiritual lesson in that? And yet, I mean, there probably is a great one. I just don't like focusing on that, even though I did read up on it quite a bit. And it was, it's extremely fascinating. So now you have Mussolini and Hitler back together, these chums are back together. You see, Hitler knows that to control Italy he needs Mussolini, he needs this fascism. Fascism is a very strong form of government and the way that Mussolini was uh, utilizing it, it was dictatorial. And so he needs this to come back. So he needs to get, because there's still fascists there that are loyal to Mussolini. He needs to gather them together and form a government in that northern portion of Italy. You know that the Germans still hold? And establish Mussolini again. See if he can rally the Italians to it and then they can take the boot again. Okay, so this is the entire idea that Hitler is sponsoring. And so he rescues Mussolini. Now Mussolini is in his debt. And so Mussolini is going to become, from this point forward, his puppet. So September 12th, 1943, Mussolini is rescued. And then September 15, 1943, sort of this new nation forms. It's called the Republic of Salo, and that begins. Now, most of us haven't really spent much time studying the Republic of Salo any more than we understand Vichy France. It's actually a puppet government during World War II, but this one is the Italian version of it. So Vichy France is actually the puppet version of France under the Germans. Well, the Republic of Salo is the Italian version of that, and guess who leads it? Yes, our dear friend, the one we are very familiar with for the last 20 years, Benito Mussolini. And yet he is not going to be quite the same Mussolini as before. I don't know if I could articulate it, but I even sort of empathize with poor Mussolini in this situation, because now he's under the thumb of Hitler. He really doesn't have any of his own power. It's all Hitler's power, and he will do what Hitler asks him to do. So his daughter is going to try and bring reconciliation between Mussolini and his son-in-law, whose name is Gianno. Ciano actually voted against Mussolini as one of the key reasons why Mussolini was ousted. So they're, not, uh, they're somewhat at odds, right? But Etta, his daughter, is going to seek to see them reconciled, and Mussolini is actually going to forgive and he is going to bond against with Ciano, which is going to cause Hitler to go through the roof. And Hitler is actually going to command Mussolini to kill Ciano. Okay, so you, you see these dynamics. I mean, this is like wickedness all over the place, and Mussolini is totally a puppet. So he is actually going to kill his son-in-law uh, as a statement of loyalty unto Hitler. I mean, you could just ima- This is like a bad setup. You don't want to be Mussolini, okay? That's why Mussolini needs to be ousted <laughs> out of our life, too. We don't want this, right? But this is real stuff. This happened. So the Republic of Salo begins. Here's Winston Churchill again. At the end of September... Mussolini set up his headquarters on the shores of Lake Garda in Salo, it's a little town. This pitiful, you can see Winston Churchill's perspective on it, this pitiful shadow government is known as the Republic of Salo. Here the squalid tragedy was played out. The dictator and lawgiver of Italy for more than 20 years dwelt with his mistress in the hands of his German masters, ruled by their will and cut off from the outside world by carefully chosen German guards and doctors." So the key thing that is going to happen in this time, and I'm just giving this one statement from Churchill just to enunciate it, is Italy was plunged into the horrors of civil war. because And this is what Hitler wants. Hitler actually wants a civil war. He wants to create a tension in Italy which will cause people to rally back to Mussolini. But there's so many people that don't want Mussolini. And so as a result, instead of just surrendering themselves and saying yes Benito Mussolini you have dictated us for 20 years we will allow you to continue onward they fight back and so as a result this government is really never able to take any great form but it still has power under hitler because hitler has power so you're going to notice the date uh, on this one August 17th 2020 oh, wait a minute what's what's today that's today and I titled this The Unexpected Return of Mussolini. You see, it's, it's actually sort of shocking to all of us, too, when Mussolini returns. You see, there's a part of us, there's a behavior in us, there's something that we are familiar with in our past, and if we ever have that glimpse of that behavior in us again, or that, that vulnerability to it, it is shocking and horrifying, and we do not like it. Any type of bait to a past behavior is something that we outright despise, right, as Christians, and yet we feel vulnerable to it, just like you're going to see Italy in this situation. Italy feels vulnerable to Mussolini. When you have humbled yourself and you have prostrated yourself before this dictator for so many years, and then he comes back, it's an interesting tension of soul. Do I have the authority now to say no? And you're going to see a similar dynamic play playing out in Italy because they're familiar with this man. Now here's what's interesting, and this is what I want to lift out in this story that is sort of the, the key idea, and that is Mussolini is going to come back, but he's going to come back without the same power that he had before. But Italy almost has to realize that. You could just imagine how great it would be to just think, Mussolini's gone. He's gone, and you have this party in the streets, you tear down his posters from the walls, and you feel so good about it, right? And then you're going to renegotiate with the Allies, and you're now gonna join the Allies. Okay, we're on the good guy's side now. And then to hear that Mussolini is back? I mean, t- talk about terror. And any of you that have stood against Mussolini that actually were caused, that caused his departure, guess what? He is going to literally gather these people together. They're going to do raids and gather these men together and they're going to uh, kill them all. Chiano being one of them, right? So you, you, you follow me? That this could lead to a certain fear. The same thing the enemy wants to do in us. He's defeated, guys. He actually has no power and no authority, but he is going to try and bluff his way into thinking that he, getting you to think that he still has authority over you. And as a result, many Christians will fall for this, and they will submit afresh unto a fleshly regime that actually they were set free from. That doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? So one of my favorite stories in dealing with this idea is from the cross and the switchblade. I can't remember the guy's name. In fact, I don't even remember if David Wilkerson goes into the guy's name. I, I think he does, but I can't remember. Uh, but it was a heroin addict and uh, that David Wilkerson had spent a year with, and so the way that their house worked uh, in New York City is they would get these heroin addicts, and they would come off heroin. At the time, there was no physical means of coming, like no medical means to get off of heroin. The only way uh, to get off of heroin was by the power of the Holy Spirit at this time, and so as a result, he would literally, they would pray, they would work through these things, and they would see extraordinary things happen, but there was one point in the coming off of heroin that was, for whatever reason, an extreme vulnerability. And that was one year in, after you had been off of heroin for one year. And you'd think, that's plenty of time. And yet there was something that would happen, whether it's physically, whether it's spiritually, at the one-year point, which would cause certain people to feel like there was a vacuum call back to an old life. And so David Wilkerson was giving a story of this one man who had such a genuine desire to live for Jesus and had lived, you could say, triumphantly for this one year, had, had seen so many breakthroughs in his life, and they were free to go at any time. He, he didn't force them, it wasn't like a prison. They chose to be there, they could choose to leave. However, he always recommended that they would stay through that first year and get through that transition point so that they could just stand with him. It was right around the one year point, and this guy felt like he was ready to go. He felt like he wanted to go out and be a missionary. He wanted to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have to admire that, right? And so did David. Uh, David Wilkerson admired that, and he wanted to sponsor that. However, he was concerned for this guy that he, he needed a little more grounding. But this guy assured him he was ready to go. So he went out and never came back. And the rumor came back to him that he had gone out and immediately gone to a heroin dealer and so you could just imagine David Wilkerson hearing this and just the heart just plummeting and that sense of violation that that which God had purchased the enemy had attempted to snag Benito Mussolini had escaped from prison oh how did that happen and so and this is the reason I'm bringing up this story because that could be a rather depressing story unless you you know there's a little more to it This guy finally sheepishly makes his way back, and I don't know how many months later it was, but it was quite a while, makes his way back to David Wilkerson in this house. And he almost didn't feel like he could talk to David. He was so ashamed. But when David greeted him, warmly received him, and the man's story as it unfolds is quite interesting. And I think it's important for even you and I to understand. And that is, he said, I did go back and I took heroin and yet there was no pleasure in it and the whole while I wanted out and I wished I had never done it and I have never gone back to it since. It's like the pleasure of sin was gone. The impact of sin or the control of sin over my life is no more. And so, but he felt so ashamed that he couldn't come back to David Wilkerson. How do you say, yeah, after you telling me I'm vulnerable, I'm in a vulnerable state, I go straight out and I take heroin again, and how could I face you? So it was actually shame that kept him from coming back when in actuality he was actually living strong. And for many of us, we need to recognize that though there is a pull, and though Mussolini may escape from prison and may try and set up his Republic of solo in your life again, you are bought and paid for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you are owned by God himself. You no longer belong to that enemy. So if the enemy tries to solely you up, guess what? There's no pleasure in it anymore. Some of you have found that out, that the old sin that you used to participate in actually has no pleasure in it anymore. In fact, you're miserable. <laughs> if you even get close to it, even thinking about it, it makes you feel a guilt because it's not you anymore. The devil wants to convince you that you still are the old you. When in fact, you've been bought and paid for and set free. Mussolini may come back into town, but he is no longer your master. Mussolini may return, but with each subsequent return, he possesses less and less power. So what you're going to see is Mussolini is coming back and he has his little Republic of Salo. Not quite as impressive as the uh, Duce of Italy. For 20 years, right? The guy who, I mean, most of us don't even know that he had the Republic of Solo. In other words, it doesn't stand out as something very impressive, right? Because it's not. This man is going to come back, but not with the same grand triumph, not with the same strength. He is going to come back with a very limited strength that is borrowed. And as a result, we need to recognize that too. As the enemy comes back, and even if we fail, okay, just hypothetically, say he gets a few good shots in you know, shoots us in the kneecap, like, ah, oh, he got me. He's weaker, and what that's going to do is make you stronger. Now you're going to be all the more watchful of the next time Mussolini tries to sneak back into town. Mussolini, though he may return, with every return he weakens and you strengthen, if you handle his return properly. And so that's actually what we could call the process of sanctification sanctification just like pruning of a vine involves a trimming it involves something that actually seems to even harm the vine it's a cutting back and yet so that you could produce more fruit and that's actually the word hagiazo for the cleansing for that sanctifying process is the illustration of a vine and the branches paul the apostle in romans eight twenty eight. Now, this isn't like a surprise scripture. I've had this scripture come out quite a few times, I think, in this series. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. When Mussolini establishes his Republic of Solo, it's incredible how much this is going to strengthen the resolve of Italy. In other words, all it takes is the return of Mussolini. At first, there's a bit of a tremble, Right? But in the long run, it's going to lead to the extermination of this man. This man isn't going to last much longer, by the way. I know you're concerned that he's going to keep coming back for time immemorial, but his end is near. Joseph is going to say to his brothers in Genesis 50-20, But as for you, O Mussolini, You meant evil against me. By the way, for those of you that are getting this via podcast, it doesn't say Mussolini in the text in Genesis 50, 20. I added that in. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Isn't that an interesting thought to think that the enemy meaning evil against you, that God is like doing the jujitsu move on it in the process to actually mean it for good for you. But Mussolini was rescued don't worry, this is going to turn to the good. But he's actually established the Republic of Solo again. But God is going to mean this for good for Italy. How does that work? The same is true for us. When the enemy makes his move, how could that be good? It's, not good? it's not goodness that's making the move. That's the enemy. It's evil that is coming against us. But God means it for good. He's going to convert it for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, God is in the business of converting enemy malevolence. It says, in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Isn't that interesting that salvation comes out of that turning of the events? Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So when Mussolini encroaches back into northern Italy, the Spirit of the Lord in your life will raise up a standard against it. Whenever there is a movement of evil against your life, as a Christian, there is a movement of the Holy Spirit to take advantage of that enemy movement. If you start to understand this in your spiritual life, it actually gets you excited. Okay, now I am not a sponsor of you going out and sinning. Okay, I don't think you should just go out and sin and say, hey, enemy, could you come in like a flood? I would like you to come in like a flood so God could raise up a standard against you. And we could what you could mean for evil against me, God will mean for good. That is a bad way to live. And Paul goes out of his way to say, no, no, we don't live that way. Because he's trying to explain this very concept that when the enemy comes in against us, God is actually going to strengthen his work in us through that sin. It's like, how does that work? So if you stumble, but then you respond properly in agreement with the Holy Spirit, you're going to actually come out of that stumble. It's sort of like stumbling, rolling, and then standing up with a bigger muscle. It's like, how did that work? And your muscles grow stronger even though the enemy tried to take you out, and even though you mistaked. Mistaked? There's a new word for you. You blundered? Uh, you messed up? Mistaked? Boy, uh, I could see someone holding that against me in the years to come. I can see some student will come to Ellerslie and go, yes, I mistaked today. Uh, Great. I hope my kids don't hear this one. (laughs) Leveraging Mussolini's resurgence against Mussolini. So, okay, Mussolini, you're going to try and make a move against my soul. How about we leverage that against you? The enemy wants to take you out. So when the enemy sort of marshals his Republic of Solo against you, and he's like returning and he has that, you know, grovelly cigar type of voice you know he's like I'm coming to get you that you leverage that against him you don't fear the return of Mussolini the return of Mussolini should fear you because you know exactly what this is going to bring about in you so let's look at this I I have a cool name for this five Mussolini layers Okay, so when Mussolini returns, which is like the old man in the flesh, the power of sin in your life that has, is old, it's not you now, it's old familiarity, it's old vulnerabilities. You see, you have been set free, you are under new management, you are a new creature in Christ, and yet you need to be sanctified. As I oftentimes say, we are clothed in the perfection of Christ. Underneath that clothing is a work in process is a work that has hindrances. If you were a pipeline and the Spirit of God wanted to pour life into you and then have life come out of you, if He wanted to pour love into you and have love come out of you, if He wanted to pour forgiveness into you and then have forgiveness come out of you, well, there's blockages in you, okay? And that's that's what we can look at is the big stones. When God first comes by the power of His Holy Spirit, redeems you, sets you free, now He wants to use you. But there can be some big stones in you that are blocking the flow of living water in and through you. So he's gonna deal with those big stones. And big stones are things that, you know, are big issues. They're big strongholds in your life. And that's what we're gonna call them strongholds and vice grips. You know, if you're addicted to heroin, I think we should deal with that addiction to heroin before we put you as a pastor in a church, right? We need to deal with some big things. The Spirit of God knows that. So he's going to come in and he's going to begin to deal with these issues. But then you're going to see Mussolini return, and he's going to try and set up his Republic of Solo, and it's going to reveal things in your soul. You ever notice that when you go through a difficult time or you face a trial, it draws things out? As some people say, just get married and you'll find all sorts of things inside of you. Have kids, you'll find more. Any trial that you go through is actually going to lift out that which is hindering the flow of grace through your life. This is good. This is not bad, this is good. So Mussolini's returning. Yes, I get to get out some more stuff. (laughs) Not many of us think that way. However, that's precisely how the Spirit of God is thinking. The Spirit of God is going to leverage that work of evil unto a great advantage in your soul and in the church of Jesus Christ. So the big stones are the strongholds and vices. How about the river rock? This is a lot smaller than big boulders, right? River rock, you know, you know, maybe little smaller stuff, but also you could have some bigger river rock, right? And these things are blocking the flow of grace in and through your life. Well, the, and the, I, could, I could call that affections and affinities, that you have things that you are strongly drawn towards. In fact, if you continue like that, you are extremely vulnerable to be pulled away by your desires, Okay? So these are affections and affinities that need to be revealed, and God needs to deal with them. Well, what better way of dealing with them than to have Mussolini show back up? Okay? Then we have another Mussolinic layer the pebbles. These are smaller things. You know, as you begin to progress in your spiritual development, you begin to get to a place where no longer are you dealing with big stones, no longer are you dealing with river rock which you could still be dealing with pebbles. And that's actually normal. There's nothing to be ashamed of in that process. That's normal for all of us. God is bringing out things. It's like, oh, my God, I still have pebbles? How can I still have pebbles inside of me? Well, uh, you know, many of us that have been around for many decades could say, uh, it's very easy because they are deeply embedded. And it's only this republic of solo that is coming against us that God is going to leverage. God the enemy means it for evil against us, but God is going to mean it for good so that he can bring a salvation. So these are vulnerabilities and tendencies. And then number four, debris. Smaller, right? We're getting more microscopic with every, every movement. Attitudes, tones of voices, tones of voice, thoughts, words spoken. How about this one? Words not spoken. When you start to be convicted of the things you don't say, You know that God is sanctifying you. (laughs) When you first come to Christ, that's not usually what you're thinking about. You're thinking about your addiction to alcohol, you know, your heroin addiction over here. You're dealing with big stuff. But as God is progressing in your soul, he's revealing smaller things. Like, I actually wanted you to go up and serve that person. I wanted you to share the gospel with them. I want my love to pour through you. And instant obedience in all matters. So then we get down to the fine dust, motives and intents. Now, if we look at that list and I were to say, where are you at? Most of us don't like to even answer that question because it's usually higher up on the list than we really want it to be. And yet, this is a work of grace. Isn't it funny? That's an evil work against you. Mussolini's not a good guy. He's a bad guy. His agenda is not good for your life. And yet, even though what he is meaning for evil, God's intent is good. And so God is going to leverage this working against you, this bait against you, this law of gravity pressing down against you to actually cause a marvel to be worked in your soul. Moses in Deuteronomy, sort of his last speech, is going to say, the Lord your God who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. I really like that. There's another scripture even before that that's talking about the same thing, just even a broader explanation of it, but that God is willing to walk us through certain tests, the wilderness. He's willing to bring us into situations that aren't necessarily that enjoyable, but so that he can prove us why. Look at this final statement, to do you good in the end. That's his end game. God desires to do us good. And so, though the enemy comes in like a flood, God is going to rise up. He always has a response to everything the enemy desires to do in your life. Everything the the enemy desires to do in this world right now. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. In the end, I don't want to give away all spoilers, right? But in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, this is how it ultimately turns out for the good of all of those who will believe. However, there's going to be seasons where it doesn't seem like it's going in the right direction. I thought we got rid of that, and now that evil is back, and it even seems to be more menacing. I mean, Hitler's I mean, more hot under the, under the collar than he's ever been. And there is vengeance in his eyes. Oh, no. And yet, that is going to transform into an incredible picture of redemption for the nation of Italy. And Italy ultimately will purge that Mussolinic uh, contagion out of its midst. That Hitler regime will go. Same in us. Father, I pray that you would sensitize us to your ways, that we would have your mind in these matters, that we would think your thoughts, that we would not believe the enemy's take, that he is returning to power, that we never had a newness of life, but Lord, that we would stand our ground and we would push back, and that we know that when the enemy comes in like a flood against our personal lives, you will respond And you will take us deeper. You will do the jujitsu move and flip the enemy's uh, agenda against us into your agenda for us. Lord, sanctify us, purify us. May we be a flow-through channel without any blockage so that the love, the mercies, the kindness, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ could flow through us unto this dying world. We love you and we trust you. It's in the precious name that we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. And our weekend service is streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or a entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at Ellersley.com Thanks for listening.